Hi, my name's Hudson, and I'm a geoholic. Hello, my name is Dr. Nick Smolovsky, and I'm also a geoholic. We appreciate you tuning in for this original edition of Bad Elves, Seconds of Spatial News. We Bad Elves live our lives one spatial second at a time, and we know you, geoholics, do too. Blasting off this week, we are talking about Jeff Bezos' successful spaceflight and his new Blue Origin rocket called New Shepard. On July 20th, Jeff, his brother, and a small crew embarked on a journey past the internationally recognized Kármán Line. The Kármán Line, or Von Kármán Line, is a recognized definition of the boundary between the Earth's atmosphere and outer space. This delineation takes place at roughly 62 miles or 330,000 feet above the Earth's mean sea level, or MSL. Originally named after the late Theodore von Karman, a Hungarian-American engineer and physicist who was active in aeronautics and astronautics from the early 1900s till his death in 1963, Karman was the first internationally recognized person to try and define the specific boundary of space. Additionally, the Karman line is close to the upper boundary of the mesosphere and and is what is called the turbopause. Yep, you heard me right, turbopause. How cool of a name is that? Below the turbopause, gases such as oxygen and nitrogen are well mixed, whereas above it, molecules change due to gravitational separation. One last thing I think is important to mention about this space flight was that the rocket was completely operated from a ground-based remote location, basically making it a massive uh, space-faring drone. How cool is that? Hats off to you, Jeff Bezos and team. What a great accomplishment for the human race. All right, that does it for this week's Bad Elf uh, Seconds of Spatial News. We hope you enjoyed the designated news of the week. If you had any questions about this story or about Bad Elf GNSS products, please feel free to contact me via LinkedIn or through the Geoholics channels. Thanks, everybody. Talk to you next time. Hello, Geoholics! Welcome back, everyone, and thanks so much for listening to episode 91, coming to you from the Diamondback Land Surveying Studio. What'd you come up with for 91 there, Shoots? Any guesses, boys? None. None? You got one? I can't think of anything. I got Mr. Dennis Rodman, the oh, worm. Yes. The worm. Yes! Uh, 1986, he was the second round pick, number 27th overall to the Detroit Pistons. Mm. He actually wore number 10 with them, and his number 10 that. is retired. But he wore 91 with the Bulls. He's a five-time NBA champion, two-time All-Star, two-time All-NBA third team, two-time Defensive Player of the Year, seven-time NBA All-Defensive first team, and seven-time wow. rebounding champ. Unbelievable. And he yeah, was, he was a rebound machine. Yeah. He was. Big board guy. Yeah. And he was inducted into the Hall of Fame in 2011. That is an amazing choice, Shoots. I got to tell you. I, hey, I pulled that one out of the hat today. He's probably one of the most most colorful human beings in the planet, too. <laughs> that, that's putting it like There are so many layers to that guy. It's crazy. Well, and then, quite literally, too. Do you remember his hair? Do you see yes. Last Dance? Do you remember his hair was all yes. crazy? Oh, absolutely. Every, every, yeah. every day it was dyed a different color. Yeah, when he dressed up in a, in a wedding uh, wedding dress. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, man. That iconic. Was, that was, a, yeah, iconic's a good way to describe <laughs> it for sure. All right, good one there, Shoots. We've got another awesome show this week, but before we get to it, we have to recognize our newest patron, Whoa. Mr. Michael Schoeder. 
all scooter shoulder scooter shoulder 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 uh all the way from anchorage alaska i'm gonna let you in on a little secret uh scooter is also our guest today all right we're double dipping boys yeah yeah for sure coincidence i have no idea you tell me (laughs) in all seriousness though thank you michael scooter and everyone else for your loyalty and continued support of the show and uh by the way mike scooter along with a number of others who are anxiously awaiting their geoholics fan packs will be receiving them this week i promise mailing is hard it's not as easy as i made it look it sucks (laughs) i'm glad you took it over i forgot how to do it it's so hard all right pj tell us about the opening number all right guys that was barracuda by heart um heart is american rock band formed by sisters ann and nancy wilson in the early 70s uh this rock and roll hall of fame inducted group not only pioneered the female rock band for all intents and purposes but they also soundtracked four decades and counting throughout this time the band sold over 35 million records garnered four grammy award nominations landed landed 10 top 10 albums received a star in the hollywood walk of fame and achieved the longest span of top 10 albums on the billboard charts by a female-led band Pretty good. Absolutely. Really good. And uh, I do have a heart story, of course. Okay. Uh, I saw Heart open up for Kansas back in the early 80s, if you can believe that. Uh, and I actually went to a record store meet and greet, like the day of the show, but it was like in the, like, the early afternoon, whatever. I thought Nancy was like, she's so freaking hot. So I think I had a poster <laughs> in my bedroom too, like maybe on my ceiling. I don't remember. But uh, a little secret, get this. Our guest today, Scooter, actually went to middle school with the Wilsons, if you hmm. can believe that. We're going to get more into that for sure here in just a minute shout out to this week's highlighted friend of the program who we got shoots we got tiger supplies tiger supplies launched in 2004 and is known as the surveying construction and engineering superstore with over 15,000 products featuring top brands such as leica topcon spectra and much more tiger supplies will get you the equipment you need to get the job done right use coupon code geo15 geo15 for 15 percent off any adair pro item including tripods bipods prism prism poles flagging tape survey markers and much more also don't forget to check out their youtube page for product videos tips and tricks it's a great great watch tiger supplies is committed to delivering value and service without compromising on either you can find out more at tigersupplies.com and be sure to mention you're a geoholic for those additional deep deep massages Oh, wait, discounts. Discounts. <laughs> deep, deep, huh? Uh, like double, double deep. Man, oh, man, that sounds like a really good discount. Absolutely. Well, you get 15% <laughs> off with GL15. Don't forget. Don't forget. Just All right. mention you're a friend of the program, and you'll get that VIP service. Nicely done. All right, time for the Trimble Geospatial Weekly Words of Wisdom. I know, like a Jake, all of a sudden he gets all interested. He, <laughs> get my pen and paper out. Get my pen and paper. All right. So here we go. This is a great quote. And uh, you know, who it's by will make sense here in just a minute. Okay, here we go. I had always believed that if somebody who worked with me went home feeling like a jerk for giving their time and their genuine effort, then it was me who had failed them and in a very personal and fundamental way. Anthony Bourdain. Oh, spoiler alert. Oh, yeah, man. I know where you're going, yeah, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. I know where you're going. Wow, I really like that. I've never heard that before. It's awesome, right? It's so yeah. true. Yeah, it, it is. is. absolutely true. All right, with that, let's catch up with the boys. PJ, what's up? All right, great transition there. Uh, really quickly, we'll touch on, of course, Bezos lifts off into space, <laughs> his 11-minute ride um, with Wally Funk and his brother and that little 18-year-old from... Um, from Amsterdam. So yeah, pretty cool. 11 minutes. Highly disputed, obviously, because him and, and um, 
Sir Richard Branson, there there isn't a really like um, defined line of this is space, this altitude is space. Oh. There's this thing called the Kármán line, and I forget the exact altitude. I think it's like three hundred thirty thousand foot, but it's really disputed on like what it means to get into space. Yep. So now everyone's like going back and forth because Jeff topped Sir Richard Branson. So now did Branson go to space or did Jeff go to space or, right. you know, so, uh, this is just the billionaire space race. So pretty right. cool to see that happen. Just a quick 11 minute flight. Um, but other than that, from the quote there, uh, went and saw that, um, uh, Anthony Bourdain documentary, uh, Roadrunner in theater, super awesome. I mean, that guy was, I remember watching we, in this culinary class when I was in a freshman in high school, all we would watch was like his videos. And I used to think that guy had it all figured out. I mean, he went everywhere. He was out every, uh, every piece of this, this, this earth. So and he tried everything, tried everything too. And he would eat all sorts of stuff. Like I remember there was one that and it was in the documentary too. And it was so crazy when I saw it as a freshman where like they cut out like the heart of this like Cobra or something and like wherever he was and he eats this thing like as it's beating it's so crazy oh so that guy was just down for everything but really well put together documentary i think they did a really nice job in all their interviews so um check it out if you can but good stuff Excellent. couple couple other quotes actually and these are just short ones but sure. i loved them um one of them was i'm not afraid to be an idiot yeah love like it that. <laughs> and the other one is luck is not a business plan yeah oh yeah those are both solid. Solid, right? The first one's how I live my life. And, and not to spoil much of the documentary, but when he got famous on that book, that Kitchen Confidential book, that was just, he just did that for fun. And then all of a sudden, one of the clips in there is his reactions to hearing that it's like a bestseller or it's in the top 10, whatever it was for, yeah. for the year. Hmm. And he was like, he didn't even really mean to do that. So he kind of just fell into this at an accident, just being a chef in New York City. But Really good, really good documentary. I always love a good documentary, so check it out, especially if you can see it in theaters. If that's going to be your first movie back um, post-COVID, go it's check it out. It. Yeah. Nice. But anyway, that's, I'll get off my soapbox. Ryan, I, what well, are you up to? To follow up on that Blue Origin flight, I saw that the Democratic, uh, what is it, senators or oh, House the representatives, <laughs> they were saying that it was terrible that he thanked all the Amazon employees oh, yeah. for, mm-hmm. for paying the $5.5 billion because he's such a terrible person. It's it's wow. a free market. Yeah. yeah. You know, the guy oh, yeah. did what he did and for let sure. him have his money and let him have his fun. Well, he definitely thought about his words. But I mean, think about like one small step. Like they, they know what they're going to say when they get up there. So yeah. um, I don't know. I don't hate that. But and now it's like the billionaires I was telling you the other day. It's mm. either they own a sports team or they go to space. Yeah. It's the billionaire the space race right now. So mm. what's even crazier to me, and I know we talked about this last time, was the 18-year-old whose dad forked out 15 to $20 million. Wow. For him to go up for there. For him to go up there. Really? Well, yeah. I guess the Virgin one selling tickets now for like 250000 That's what I heard, 250000 yeah. So So I think it was just inflated because it was one of the first ones. Sure. But I think market rate is going to be anywhere from a quarter to half a million dollars. Well, I guess we need a lot more Patreons for this, well, this program that, to get um, Jake up the there. The GoFundMe, yeah. Uh, Jake, what's your Venmo? Yeah, well, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Venmo the Geoholics, please. We need a quarter million dollars. So I am oh, way behind man. the times and so far behind on my television or movie watching. And I, I, I was telling the lovely Carrie the other night. Like Jake texts us all the time. Watch this. Watch this. Yeah. Watch this. And he talks about this stuff. I'm like, how much TV does he watch? Oh, I, I just consume s- it. I am so jealous of it. But I finally watched the movie Uncut Gems. Oh yeah, did you that like was, it? That was a good movie. It was I was actually how into it. How anxious were you feeling? Oh, the whole movie. It was great. Yeah. It's fantastic. It's you got you're on the edge of your seat, and then the ending. I don't want to spoiler alert for anybody, but holy shit. 
Yeah, caught me off guard. I was shocked. That's so. a good one with KG, and I, I think it's 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 at Safety Brothers who who, who yep. produced those. It's A twenty four. They got cool stuff where it's really dark and like all of the scenes are like dark, but they have like these really bright colors, like real bright bright blues and purples. Mm. It's almost like a neon. Yeah, but I was definitely a, that one has your heart racing the entire time. Oh yeah, I was in a basketball mood, so I flipped that one on since the Suns were yeah. blowing it in four yeah. straight games. But what about you, Kent? What's new? Um, I hated that movie. Why? It did not keep my attention. Oh my god! It had me on the edge of my seat After the whole like time. After like thirty minutes, I'm like, I, I can't even watch this. He's just a screw up the whole time. Oh yeah, he, it's always he's hustling the whole time. I think it's interesting to see Sandler in that type yeah. of role because we're used to seeing him in like grown ups and stuff. I'm used like to like seeing like the <laughs> yeah, yeah, Adam Sandler, <laughs> and it's more of a serious like real just dirtbag scumbag. Yeah, and a uh, show that uh, McKenna turned me on to was called is called uh, White Lotus. Oh yeah, I just watched the first episode last night. I love it. Yeah, it's got like <laughs> I that. So uh huh. That is it's talking about how they film it too. That's got to be shot on like some sort of film. Have you noticed that almost Ooh. every shot has that really orangey, warm tint to it, mm-hmm. like tropical? So I really like how they put that together. But HBO yeah. has been, been doing really well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I love that show. Um, other than that, you ever have those days? It just feels like a weird day. Oh, it's absolutely. almost like something feels like it's brewing. You know what I mean? You guys ever have those days? <laughs> Is that today? Today was one of those days. I'm like What's driving brewing? around. I don't know. I don't know. Well, Is it I mean, that big storm? There's some big news coming up about a couple of geoholics, but we'll save that for another <laughs> yeah. day, of course. But besides that, I mean, I don't. It's just a weird day. And then I'm driving here. We were talking about it when I got in here into the studio. Um, the air quality is so bad. I don't yeah. know if we're having... I mean, like we're a, sitting um, here sweating in the studio. Yeah, right now. I'm yeah. sweating right now. I don't know if we're having a mini haboob or something, but can't even see downtown. You know, the brown haze or whatever. It's just, it's horrible. Um, I'm going to call that the Bucks haze. Uh, the, yeah, maybe yeah, that's maybe maybe this Maybe the, the city's <laughs> mourning. Maybe that's it. Yeah, could be. And by the way, I, I went out last night to watch a game, had a little bit too much to drink, so I'm, I'm off my game a little you bit never. today. You never. I haven't done never. it in a while. Happy Tuesday. Yeah, yeah. Happy Tuesday. It was a rough one today, boys. That's all I got to say. <laughs> Let's move on. Safety share. Safety apparel, safety share, and other things to worry about. Shoots. I know you got something special brewing this week. What you got? We're going to change it up a little bit. Um, you already ruined the surprise of our guest is Mr. Scooter. I did. And we're going to piggyback off of last week with the skin cancer talk. And he mentioned that he has a little bit of a story to share with us about his bout with skin cancer. And, I, you know, these things that we bring up, they are real. Mm. So, uh, Mr. Scooter, if you don't mind... Give us a little rundown. Hey, hey, thanks. Yeah, I love Double Dave's you had there in episode 90. And, and yeah, for my whole life, I'm a, I'm a very pale-skinned guy, sunburned as a kid, out in the outdoors as a surveyor, pilot for a couple of years of my life off the ground. And I was very cautious of uh, sun damage in my skin. And I was seeing my dermatologist, and then I got basal cell keratoma that you talked about and squamous cell keratoma, and they were treating them. And I was seeing my dermatologist every six months. I got a lesion in 2018. Thing turned into metastatic melanoma, the baddest thing. And my oncologist says, this is like a dandelion that goes to seed because it got in my lymph node systems, took out all my lymph nodes and both armpits, went into my bones, into my liver. They gave me a, a coin flip to live four months. Holy crap. And I kicked the butt. I did a year of immunotherapy infusions every two months. The insurance companies put $1.3 million into Scooter. What I'm telling you is you surveyors out there, wear your sunscreen, wear your shirt. It is badass. It's not a little skin thing they're going to cut off. If it metastasizes, it gets to your system. It could go to your eyes and go to your brains. 
FAA's freaked out. I'll never have an FAA medical again. I got a special pass to fly my airplanes, but it will kill you. It, man, it's take care of yourself. Oh, God bless you, man. So it is a safety share and other things to worry about. And other, yes. We don't just do these Truly. for our own health or yes. for everybody else's. Yes. Well, hey, Scooter, thank you so much for that. I really appreciate the, uh, uh, you know, the, the intimate story there. Um, hopefully the people listening are going to take your words of advice. So let's officially introduce you. So let me tell the listeners a little bit about, uh, about Michael here. First, he was born in Kalispell, Montana, and... Uh, as mentioned previously, currently resides in Anchorage, Alaska. He earned a survey tech degree from University of Alaska, Anchorage. You guys remember who those guys are? Uh, the, the Eskimos. Eskimos. Nope. nope. The Sea Wolves. Oh, sea that's wolves. right. Go Sea Wolves. Right. Hobbies yeah. include fly fishing and world travel. And he says he is currently trying not to fail at retirement for a fourth time. So let me officially welcome you to the Geoholics, Michael. And thank you for taking the time out of your busy world travel and fishing schedule to join us. Hey, thank you so much. I love your program. and I'm happy to be here tonight. Well, and I just want to go kind of unplug and tell some stories about my experience of 48 years of surveying yes. around the world. We, we are super excited to hear those stories for sure. So we do have a real quick icebreaker question, and it's one that I kind of like. We've used a couple times now. When you were six years old, what did you want to be when you grew up? A caterpillar driver. <laughs> my, my people, my, my parents would drive us seven kids by a construction site, and I want to get out and crawl up on the yellow iron. I mean, didn't happen. Oh, man. Well, I'm sure you were around plenty of those caterpillars in your days, though. All right. So you honestly, I mean, you're like a true Renaissance man to tell you the truth. And you've got story after story. And one of the stories you mentioned in your bio that I've got to hear about, I can't wait any longer, is there was an afternoon you said you spent a lifetime arrested in jail in Ratshura Zaire, Congo with your wife, mother-in-law from Iowa and one of her friends. Talk about that one. Oh yeah. So that was classic. And <laughs> Um, maybe we'll get to another story, but anyway, it's 1996 and that was an Olympic year. If you, if you remember what was happening with the TV, there was all these bodies floating down the rivers in Rwanda and in, uh, in the mountains of Rwanda, Zaire and Uganda is this national park with the, where the silverbacks think about Diana Fossey sitting there next to these 800 pound silverbacks. So we pulled gorilla permits and we went to Africa. We landed in Uganda and we spent a week. But this whole thing of going to Zaire, I mean, Mutabo, the guy with the little leopard skin hat that was a dictator for all the years, he had just died. So it was chaos. It was rebellion. There was Goma refugee camp. There was 2 million starving people in a freaking refugee camp. And we had to go buy that to get to where this gorillas were. So we left our guide in Uganda, and they given us this briefing. It's, just, it's a very simple thing. Do what your guide says to do. Whatever you do, don't bribe anybody. If, if you are uh, questioned, you just say, no Francais, no Francais, American <laughs> tourists, Bukima, gorilla permits. Okay, so we got this down. So we leave a lot of our stuff with our guide. And once we get on this road, going to where we want to go see these mountain gorillas, it's, it's one of the worst dirt roads I've ever seen. I mean, there's potholes, it's crazy. We got a Land Rover that's two model years old. It's beat on every side rooftop has no starter because it's been ripped off going up this mountain 
And on the sides of the roads are all these refugees with everything they hold on their top of their head. And they're walking backwards to us. So once we get to each village, which is about a kilometer, the driver, John Paul, he floors the Land Rover. We're like spinning gravel going through. There's chickens flying, people, refugees flying. And after about three or four kilometers, it's John Paul. I says, how come you drive so fast? He says, Michael, he says, it's the soldiers, the soldiers. So then I started looking. You go in the village, and there's all these camouflage soldiers with AK-47s. They might not have bullets. And there was all these trucks for the UN that were trying to get into the refugee camp. So they were just stopping them. So this was a gauntlet. Okay, I got the game. We're on the cruise. We just floor it through the freaking villages and run everybody over and <laughs> don't take a bullet. I got it. And once we get to Ratshura, there's a highway that goes from Kinshasa, which is the capital of Zaire, the Congo, to Democratic Republic of Congo now, to Goma. And there was 400 soldiers. And there was no run in the gauntlet. So we're stopped. And they start rolling down the windows. And so this, this Land Rover has no starter in it. So they're trying to get his keys. And they're talking in French. And I hear everything about papier, papier. And then they hit butt him with, a, with an AK-47, grab him by his shirt. The driver's gone. Of course, he told us, give us your passports and your grill permits for safekeeping with me. So we're gone. So I'm sitting with my wife and my mother-in-law. My mother-in-law's friend has never been out of Iowa. Go, dang. And uh, the whole village is out now. And everybody's yelling at us in French and just say, no, Francais, no, Francais. And finally, when they pointed the guns at us, you know, we got to go. And I had like $1,000 with camera equipment. We figured that's all gone. So they lit us this jail, single room, light bulb, no table, no chairs. And these soldiers keep coming in. They barking at us in French. I keep the line. No Francais, no Francais. I got $1,000 American in my left pocket. That's, I like a millionaire in freaking Zaire, right? <laughs> Stupid idea, but that's what it is. And so finally this guy comes in. They get looking more important. And he's got all these medals down there, little maroon beret, Ray-Ban sunglasses, gold Rolex watch. He says, English. He says, no, American. He says, you speak English. He says, yes, I'm American. He says, you've been arrested. Your driver has been arrested. This is my command of my area. What are you going to do? So the synaptic nerves are going like three miles an hour. I look over at the women. They're just like freaking freaked out. I go, okay, scooter, got to come up something. It's like, who's got the big brass ones? So I stuck my hand in my left pocket where my money wasn't, and I pulled out a full can of Copenhagen. My wife gives me the evil eye because she don't like, I've been chewing since I'm 13. I take a half a can of that, throw it in my chin, just staring. Says, okay, you want to mess with the brown bear? You got it. He goes, cowboy. I go, no, surveyor. He says, like cowboy, like John Wayne. He was enthralled with that Copenhagen can. So I hand it to him. I go, this is either going to be good, it's going to end well, or it's going to end up with a freaking machete across the neck. He takes the other half a can, like he saw me, take a half a can, sticks his tongue out like he's taking communion of the Catholic Church, sticks it on there. Oh, shit. He starts spewing, freaking heaving. The whole entourage went out the room. That's where the lifetime. I don't know how long it was. Maybe 15 minutes. Seemed like an eternity. Oh, my God. Who's coming through the door next? 
here comes John Paul bleeding from the freaking ears, our driver. He says, let's go. We said, let's go. We're out of here. And we ran out there. All our stuff was in Land Rover. We pushed it to get it going, popped the clutch, and we're gone. So that's my story, my <laughs> afternoon in Rapture. So I have to guess your mother-in-law wasn't surprised by that. I'm sure she knew you pretty well by that point. No, she's always surprised by me. <laughs> does, does your wife mind you dipping anymore? <laughs> that's what you got from that? <laughs> yeah. I, got a, I, got, I got a hall pass on that. But nice. Seriously, once once I retired from, I mean, the last 12 years, I was head of all the property boundaries in Alaska, chief of the BLM survey. <laughs> and I finally says, I'm going to quit this stuff. I'm retired. And that was the hardest thing I ever did. And I did. And I, I cooked a cold turkey. And then I get melanoma, freaking cancer in oh, November. Geez. This is like January. So uh, whatever. Hey, one other thing I want to circle back on before we get into some survey stories. Um, the fact that you grew up with Ann and Nancy Wilson. Uh, talk a little bit about that. And have, when was the last oh, time you saw them? We were home. I saw them. They were up here about four years ago. I mean, I got this crazy place out in the, in the Alaska bush. It's really cool. It's an hour from Anchorage. I keep telling everybody, you're three hours from Seattle or an hour from Shell Lake once you get here. Let's go. So we flew them out there. We're totally little bar down the lake, four miles. We're 100 miles from the grid. Bought their guitar, and we drank all a bunch of duck farts. I don't know. What <laughs> duck farts. It's, what, uh, what the you, hell you is pour, that? You, you, well, you can amateurs can start with a shot glass. We use a little bigger ones. But uh, <laughs> you poured a third of it with Kahlua on the bottom, and then Bailey's a third. And then you put Crown Royal. That's a duck fart. Now, if you want a screaming orgasm, you you float that with schnapps on the top. You need a little bigger class. And then I I adapted that because I travel a lot and go to Mexico and fish, and so we call it the cactus fart. So I just substitute the uh, crown for tequila. So yeah, I, I kind of liquor on liquor on liquor. I, yeah, yeah, it tastes like a Hershey's candy bar. Oh. oh my gosh! So t- t- so Ann and Nancy, you guys are buddies. Like what was it? Middle school or something? Yeah, yeah, junior high school, Odell High School. Wow. It was uh, I was I was riding motorcycles in this gravel pit, and these two guys named Bill Allen and Bill Gates bought it. And that's right where Microsoft sits. And our <laughs> high school is about freaking three blocks from wow. where Microsoft is. Yeah, or junior wow. high school. Yeah, Odell. Yeah, it was school. Crazy. Well, that's a great story for sure. Um, let's get into some survey stories. I know you got plenty of them. We're just going to scratch the surface, of course. Uh, I know there was a story about leading a team of, I believe you said, 25 Alaskan natives from Kipnuk on a, uh, on a survey expedition. Talk about that one. That that sounds pretty interesting. Oh, yeah, that, that was cool. So I have to give you a little background first. So I was a private sector and BLM had this big survey thing. So we were doing a lot of contracts, like million or more a year surveying native allotments, which are irregular parcels. You can throw a map. It's where they hunt and fish and fish camp and had residences out in the wilderness. And uh, so they could do that with uh, private firms. And then there was a law that was in the Indian Self-Determination Act in 1991. So they had to give the tribes the first right. And so I was a partner in this big engineering company and ran the survey department. And I said, I want to take a sabbatical. And we worked out a deal with Kipnuk. So I went out there. This is a village with no running water, no sewer, no real store or anything. They eat traditional foods. Um, 
English was a very second language. Hardly anybody spoke English, spoke Yupik, which is the Yupik Eskimos. Hmm. So I got 20 people. I said, well, we better get 25. And then the village council. So we had to train them. And I had a good friend of mine, Gary, who was my comp man. So we're doing this training and we got the Yupik translator going. The funny, this is a really funny story, the training. So I'm talking about GPS. I bought the little Trimble 4700s, you know, that were single frequency, but you turned it on and just wait till the light turns green and it's done. I told him, I says, this is about exciting as watching concrete dry, static serving. <laughs> and so the Yupik goes off in the room. I go, I don't know, what the hell did I just say? And then they go, we don't know what you mean when you say that concrete. I said, okay, how many people have been to Anchorage? And about half the room raised their hands. You know those really hard boardwalks that you don't bounce or anything on the buildings? Yeah, that's concrete. And so the whole time I'd send the crews out there and they're like, uh, hey, Mike, I got my concrete starting to dry. Can I go hunt my ducks or throw my net over here and get some salmon? And I'd be in the airplane. So I was like running 20 people out in the morning and 20 people in the evening in this flow plane. So anyway, one day I'm flying along and I hear, Mike, you know, you told us in training those float, they really float good. I says, what do you mean? Because Trimble had this ad. I went to a conference. They had a 4,700 in a fish aquarium. So I land in there. He's got a he's got a gill net across the stream. He's got 400 pounds of salmon in there. Pull all his cork floats down. He's got two Trimble 4,700s holding the friggin' salmon. I said, no, no, no. You, we got a we got a language problem here. I don't use it as a float. <laughs> and so and so this was brilliant. So was a thousand thousand monuments to sit in, in ground that's frozen at six inches. And I oh says, I don't have the heart to fly a thousand monuments and show these poor people. We trained them how to use a Punjar big uh, pneumatic hammer to freaking go through the permafrost. <laughs> and the, the elders, they go, Mike, I don't know, man, that's a lot of work. And I go, okay, you trust me on this. Trust me. I'm the Gussic, which means this is a crazy white man. I'm the Gussic. I says, hey, who's been to Costco? And there's like half the council go, I said, you know, when you walk in Costco and there's this great big tree, TVs, those huge TVs. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We see those. And I says, you know, there's a, that day and age was DVR player. Yeah. yeah. He says, we're going to buy three of them. <laughs> They're all talking to you because he says, you crazy. What is it? It's going to cost us money. He says, trust me. And so here's the deal. I says, we bid this job at digging six monuments a day. What we tell the crews are, because it's three man crews. They want to use all labor. They didn't want to really use GPS other than control. I said, whoever gets the most monuments, whole crew is going to get a big screen TV and a, and a DVR. And so we bought them and we brought them in. We were living in the high school. We made this, we were catching water off the roof. Oh we brought an electric toil in. That <laughs> it was great. So they'd see it. And so it was, oh, it was eight, it was nine, it was 10. All the crews were competing but, and everybody was having fun. Who's got what? At the end, they were setting 28 monuments a day. It's like that was the cheapest thing we ever spent. I, I, I made them 150 grand on the freaking job. He's like, You're a pretty smart white man. <laughs> and we're best friends. Everybody from Kipno comes and sees me in Anchorage. So oh that was that job. We had a blast. That we is awesome. Dangled a carrot. That exactly. definitely paid off, right? For sure. All right. So you mentioned you had a, a really cool project. It was, uh, I don't know, three or maybe three different pipeline routes from uh, 
Alaska Arctic Coast to Edmond, Alberta, Canada. Um, talk about that one. I believe you won some sort of special award for that one. Yeah, well, so so I jumped around. So I after I got back from Kipnuk, uh, went to my engineering company. I was partner. World had gone to the hill. I'd go. I'd had a different perspective. Stood aside and said, "Sell my stock when you got it. I'm I'm going to Africa." We went to Africa for three months. Wow. And then and then I got back from Africa and load a photometric company. Heard I was on the loose, and they called me in and says, "Hey man, you got a passport?" And I said, "Yeah, shit. I just got back from Africa." Do you know how to position airplanes dynamically at long distances? I says, yeah, I think so. I mean, me and Javad, we're pretty tight. You know, I've, I've been doing this. He said, do you think he can do it uh, with two airplanes? I said, if I can do it with one, I can be two. He says, good. You've got to be in Puerto Rico in three days and fly that whole island at two different levels. Wow. I says, well, there's the challenge. So off I went. But anyway, that's where I started with doing photo center um positioning with dynamic GPS, long baseline. Um, and then it morphed into a Planix, which is really a cool company. They're a Trimble subsidiary now, but that's some really good friends and brainiacs there. But they brought an IMU in to put on the sensor. It's really how a LIDAR works. So you, you did the, the complementary um, technology of GPS with an IMU, which is a triad of accelerometers and gyros, but solid state. And we, I helped them kind of, I was their field guys, like, here's what it works like in the lab. Let's go see if it works. And so we were able to fly direct photography with no ground control. And I was all over freaking Central America, South America, and 9-11. And so we had this figured out. We had serial number three and eight on the planning system. And um, we had this, this, uh, Repress uh, request from BP, and they wanted three pipeline routes from Alaska's oil fields on the north coast of Alaska to Edmonton. And they said hard data is orthophotos are delivered by December, period. And so they kept delaying, kept delaying. We're watching Alaska, it's a really short season. I mean, the ice goes out in June up there on the slope. So one route was to go down the Alaska pipeline to Fairbanks, Fairbanks to the Alaska Highway to the border with Canada and connect there. Another one was to come partway down the pipeline and then go east over to Old Crow, hit the McKenzie Delta, come down to Fort, um, Nelson, Fort Nelson, Fort St. John, over to Edmonton. These are, these, we're talking about, you know, 3,000 mile routes. And the third one was along the Arctic Crows to demarcation point to Anuvik on the McKenzie Delta, all the way down the McKenzie. The logistics on this is crazy. And so we finally get the NTP on July 1. I got to pull NAFTA permits, the Canadian government. I got to figure out how to have self-contained core systems, got a GPS receiver, a laptop, a modem, fan to cool it, batteries, plug it in, an antenna, wherever we can get fuel. So we made these kits, deployed them, three airplanes. We flew ourselves right to like the end of daylight. The last leg was between Fort St. John and Edmonton on one route. I had a whole can of feel. It's like the last day I'm feeling so good. I mean, I was using PC uh, tools to download this data one second. It was just crazy. I mean, I, I didn't sleep for, for, for the whole time. I think I slept an hour a day just drinking Red Bull and eating, eating Copenhagen. <laughs> and, and the ionosphere killed us. 
I couldn't process. I processed that data so many times. I gave it to every brainiac I knew. And we had to hire a Canadian firm to post control it. But anyway, they couldn't believe it. We delivered on time. And they they, they invited me to go to London. I, Tony Drake was VP's uh, worldwide surveyor. And they'd go, we didn't think you guys had a chance of help. I said, whatever you do, don't tell me you can't do it. That just charges me up and inspires me to find a way to do stuff. So that was that was a lot of flying. It was a good product. They haven't built those routes and Alaska's doing something else with the gas in the North Slope. But yeah, that was a wow. that was a wild four months. That's pretty amazing. That sounds pretty intense. Shoots or uh, yeah, what do you got to say about that shoot? I'm, I'm impressed. <laughs> I, I got I'm not gonna lie. That's a lot of Copenhagen <laughs> and red. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and processing, right? Yeah, oh, absolutely. Oh, processing and across modems. Yeah. What'd you say? That ionosphere messed you up? Yeah, because I mean it was even double. But we're talking about we're doing a, a baselines on an airplane that's probably out at two three hundred kilometers from the base station dynamically making turns hmm. if the wings block you know when you get cycle slips but the ionosphere even with dual frequency i mean it was just a bad geometric uh geomagnetic storm it was wow. just it was just bad luck and hmm. whatever you know Amazing. it's just we found a way to get that done you know i had to do it conventionally with some ground control points in. wow that's no, that cool. that system I mean, that, I mean, now I bought a little $400 DJI drone. It's got this stuff in it. It's got an IMU. It's got GPS. It's like, yeah, there's guys like me that I started my career with a, a veneer transit and a chain, <laughs> right? And now I buy a $400 drone that's got IMU and LiDAR in it. It's like we went through this whole technology chaos. And there's guys like us that bought single frequency receivers for $175,000 a piece. Mm. And we figured out how to make money for them, but we did it, you know, and, and it's chaos. I did the very, very first kinematic survey. Javad, she moted me out mm. and I'm Chick Island and John Oswald, he says, cause we had 400 photo control points to do in the fog and the wind in the middle of uh, summers, 1988. Wow. And we said, man, we're getting like, you know, four windows a day, we can get three points. And we talked to Javad and Sunnyvale. He says, I got an idea. I can put these receivers in motion. And over at Kermit on a 14K body sends us this code, tells us, put, you know, stay static on one and start moving it. And then just, he, he was guessing. He says, you know, stay 15 seconds on the point and then move on. We, we tested ones we'd done. We goes, this is magic. Javad, you're the freaking egghead. <laughs> and this is a point I've lost really, I know a lot of famous people, but Javad and John Prime yeah. taken by COVID this year. Good oh, friends. I know. Both. I know. It's crazy. Yeah. Unfortunate. God rest yeah. Yeah. Let's, um, let's, let's see where let's move on to 1981 apparently was a very interesting year for you. And uh, one that actually, made you realize the importance of making peace with your higher power. What happened in 1981? Yeah. Well, I'll put a little framework or overview on that. It was, uh, was after that. I think it was um, probably in the late nineties. I was on a jet from London to Mauritius, which is a little country off the uh, East coast of Africa. My wife was already there. I was going to meet her in Madagascar 
And uh, so I'm flying like business class. And, you know, I've been running a thousand miles an hour working, but I'm relaxing and drinking some scotch. I'm just thinking about every time that I knew this next breath is the last one. Mm. And, and the people, for me anyway, I've been near a lot of these near deaths. Time just always slows down. But anyway, it was on Sabina Airlines. I got the cocktail nap, napkins. There was nine events. And that was supposed to be my chapters of a book of, you know, how I MacGyvered myself out. Mm. And, uh, but there's been a few more since then. But anyway, 1981 was a tough one. I was in three helicopter crashes. Oh my God. I was in a bivouac at minus, it was beyond minus 85. With all I had on me, my survival gear blew off. I was on a 6,700-foot mountaintop that was 10 feet around that a helicopter dropped me off. And we talked about the double Daves doing single uh, beam uh, bathymetry. We had the Susitna River. It's the big, second biggest river in Alaska. Devil's Canyon is a hydro project. We're trying to do cross-sections across it. We couldn't get the jet boat online, so one of our wasn't me. Somebody says, well, let's put a cable between the trees. And we're shooting is before GPS are shooting uh, prisms on the boat. Mm. I'm on the boat running the hydrometry, the bathometer. It goes down, sinks the boat. I go through class five rapids. Nobody's been through bouncing off rocks for (laughs) miles. And and this river's like 35 degrees. I mean, how I didn't die there. But anyway, the one story I want to share, because this was pretty cool, because like, I was, we were rough and tumble. We finally they had a camp, you know, and we were like really leery, but we were off all the high mountains and we're down now using a T2 and a 3805, shooting control across pretty mild train along the canyon. And it's a spring day, it's March, it's nice. And another helicopter comes in from the company that the, the client had uh, provided us. And I was really shaky at who they send with helicopters. But there were two Super Cubs, Al Lee and Ken Brent Bunch, big game guides, best bear hunters, polar bear hunters, game trackers. Says, tell them what's up with that. So we're in like camp. Here's the surveyors. And who's these new guys? They look like models out of the REI catalog, man. Every piece of gear on them is brand new. Jeez. It's like a, not a dude ranch, you know. It's like, you know. <laughs> And we asked them what they're doing. He says, well, we got funded. We're from the fishing game. And says, we think that uh, that when the bears come out, the brown bears come out of their dens in the spring, that they're the big predators on the moose calves because the moose calves have their calves about the same time. And at that point in Alaska, truthfully, everybody thought the wolves were the big predators on moose. And moose is like, that's meat on your table for most of the citizens. So I said, well, what are you going to do? He said, well, we're going to go and dart them with the tranquilizer, and then we're going to do a bunch of science stuff. And I look at my buddies, and, and they brought this guy. And, I mean, there's a lot of helicopter pilots, and they're, you know, like Vietnam vets, and they're flight oil fields. They know how to do that. But you need somebody special for survey. We have to train them about the crazy places that we would go into. Says, well, you better take our pilot. Yeah. We'll take the new guy because we got easy stuff. So we both go our ways. The next morning, the two super cubs go out looking for brown bears, and we go doing our surveying. It's like a nice March day, six feet of snow, but we're on snowshoes, and we cut these landing zones down around the – and these are like little Alaskan black spruce. They're like three inches around and 300 years old, 10 feet tall, just ugly-looking little trees. 
but it's kind of nice because when you hover to the point where you need to go to the survey, if there's not a landing zone, you just jump out. That's what we do, crash down, they lower chainsaw, you clear it out, landing zone. So anyway, I'm sitting there, helicopter with the new guy dropped me off, says, I'm going to go get fuel. Okay. He runs and we do our measurement stuff. My buddy waiting. And it wasn't like five minutes later, I hear this helicopter. It's wound up. I mean, I hear the torque, the blades are whopping. I go, this doesn't sound right. And I can't see very good because I'm like this, but it's no wind. But I see these trees moving. I go, oh, man, this can't be good. This, There's no way this can be good. MacGyver point again. So I climb up one of these little scrawny little things. And the most fierce, pissed off brown bear in the world comes out. And this helicopter is right on his butt. And this thing knocks the instrument over the T2, takes a 3805 chomps on it. I got my machete and my thing. He jumps up at me. I'm like whacking it. It's trying to bite my legs. I'm just screaming. And this helicopter's on his butt. Finally puts his skid on him. He runs out the trees part. I mean, this bear just breaks down all these trees. I'm just, my heart just about comes through my mouth. The helicopter does a wing over, lands there, points at me. It's Ken and he's just laughing. He's laughing so hard. He's kind of like, it's cooling down. He's just laughing so hard. <laughs> I go up there, I'm like totally pissed. I says, God dang, what is that? I about got dead. And he said, no, Mike. He says, look at the right side of the helicopter. There's all these big freaking claw marks over their doors ripped wow. off. I said, what happened? He said, well, Sterling was tattooing his lip. And Ernie had his thermometer shoved up the rectal canal on him. And he came alive. And he said, my helicopter was off. So I'm trying to start this thing up. This brown bear's trying to get in the helicopter through those two guys off. Jesus. And he says, you got, he says, you did pretty good. He says, you fight bears pretty good. I said, geez, that's all I had. <laughs> so we go back in camp and I just read these guys at right X. God damn, what are you doing? He says, well, you know, this is all brand new and experimental tranquilizer. You know, oh we're trying God. to get our science. Oh, this is so crazy. <laughs> So the next day they go out and they kill five bears because they got the wow. dose the other way, you know. So anyway, oh yeah, my that's my bear story. Oh, uh, my God, that's insane. God. So you, you mentioned something about writing a book. Is that something you actually have considered seriously? I got the cocktail net. <laughs> you know, I'm still trying to get you know, back from full throttle to half, you know, it's like when I got sure. cancer, I went, and that's why my failed retirement, I was too worried about sitting here between treatments. I says, I got to go to work, keep my mind off of stuff. So yeah. anyway, you get time to tell I'm kind of like fast lane. So um, my memory's losing though. I need to do something like that, but I just can't find the time yet. Yeah. Yeah. No, for sure. Well, you mentioned that you are slowing down and you're trying to retire. We understand that. Um, but in the beginning of your career, highlight a couple of your mentors and talk about the, 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 the importance of mentoring. You know, that's, that's a great question because I, you know, there, there was a lot of them. I had, when I started out um, in college and came out, the, the professor that was in charge of the program hired me. So I worked for two years for him. I mean, he put me to, work subdividing hundreds of acres. And all I had was a calculator HP 25 that when you turn it off the 49 step thing and design the, you know, one acre lots. And I mean, I was, I was 19 years old and crew chief, and, you know, and he, he mentored me. And then when I went to the bigger engineering company, there was a vice president 
he's actually from Klamath Falls. He's in the middle of those fires now. And, and uh, man, he taught me the business and he taught me strategy. And we did a whole bunch of huge, crazy projects. And, and, and what he told me was like, no fear, apply yourself. It's like, no trials. I'm not going to tell you what to do. You guys are, you guys are great. You know, you need something, let me know. And I took that to a lot. I mean, that's what, you know, I'm a bottom down to the top. You know, I'm a diversity change agent. Look that up. It's like, think of IBM in the 60s where everybody dressed the same, looked the same, thought the same. You got the power of one. You know, how about the boardroom where everybody can't figure out a problem? The janitors in the corner of the person bringing donuts that says, well, why don't you do this? I mean, there's no, everybody's got a good idea. You know, and and if you can harvest that, it's huge. And so that was a that was a great mentor. And then yeah, meeting up with guys like Jabot and with mm. Joe Hunt and Kevin Perkins at Atlantic, you know, and Paul Merstick that you know the first airborne GPS. I mean, there's a lot of these legendaries, and they let me into the room. You know, I just I'm not two year you know, college degree, but it didn't matter. You know, it's like, I was inspired. I want to learn stuff, you know, just show me. I mean, it's like, that's what I think our younger generation, you need to, you need to let the reins loose and just, mm. did that BLM says, I mean, I'm a dinosaur. You I mean, I did 40 years of figuring, being on the bleeding edge. You guys, you're the, right out of college, figure this out, man. You, you're smart. And I think a lot of that's missing, you know, mentor them, give them what they need, but let the reins loose too. Yeah, no, that's uh, that's great advice for sure. Um, you know, I, I love to hear people's perspectives on, on leadership and you mentioned something, um, I think I maybe saw it on your, uh, your resume, but that's something you're very passionate about is leadership and, you know, um, collaboration. Talk a little bit about that. Well, it is, you know, that, that, that makes a business work. And, and one of the hardest things as a person, you learn business and you got all these schedules, you got job. It's so bad to get a caustic, you know, vibe in the workplace. I mean, we'd go out on these BLM contract jobs hundred days in a row. You know, I'd work 16 hour day. You know, you get one guy that starts, Oh, I don't like the food and this, and then you get a bad mood or same in the office. It's like, Hey, we spend too much time at work. You spend more time at work than you do with your wife and your family. Let's have fun. Let's, let's treat everybody with dignity, respect. Let's, you know, life's too short. I'm, I did this at the federal government. It was like, I was this wild card in federal government. It's like, you know, okay, mood's getting bad. we got some personality things. <laughs> I'd send them an email out that says, burn this when you read it, but we're going bowling this afternoon. I'd take freaking 80 people and go to the bowling alley. Why not? You know, it's like, yep. okay, you're off the clock with the federal government. I'll buy it out of my own pocket. Mm -hmm. Let's go have fun and drink some beers and go. I mean, it's just a little stuff like that. We're showing interest. Hey, hey my kids got a baseball game this afternoon. I need to take off early. Hell yes, go. Yeah. But don't be the ogre says, no, no, no. We got a deadline at five o'clock. I mean, mm -hmm. we're, you can always get through the work. You've got to keep your employees. You've got to keep them happy. You've got to have a good environment at work because everybody spends too much time at it. Yeah, for sure. And one, I, I, something I read not too long ago, it said like people don't quit jobs, they quit managers. And I, 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 I wholeheartedly agree with that. Do you? Absolutely. You? Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. No, yep. And you know, and I've had, I've had some people that followed me everywhere I went, you know, from mm -hmm. 
my engineering firm to DOT to Aeromap yeah. to BLM it's just because they like working with you. Said I've had people I do employee reviews. Says you're the best boss I've ever had. And mm. I said, well, I appreciate that. Well, that's what I try to do. And it, that if you can if you can channel that as a business person, mm-hmm. it's huge because it's too hard to find people now, and it's too big of an investment to train them and get them there. Uh, if you can keep people, it's huge. No doubt. That sounds like a fantastic place to work. I need to, yeah. I need to <laughs> yep. maybe uh, reinvent the wheel and find a new profession. But, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, the the whole reason we started this thing is we saw that there was a, a, a missing piece in this surveying profession. And there is a whole, as far as podcasts go, but the, the profession as a whole is, is slowly not getting the respect it needs. Uh, what What's your opinion of the future of land surveying? Well, that, that's a great question, right? In my alley, and I just, this kind of just popped in my head because I'm, I'm, I'm not a think out of the box guy. I mean, I like, like take the box and crush it and throw it in the friggin' fireplace because we're going beyond that. You really have to think big. I think here's, here's my idea. So like I can, I can name 10 or 15 people, you know, really leaders of stuff that maybe are like me have had a full career. Maybe, maybe a Jack, Jack Dangerman, you know, or, or, you know, some professors like uh, Alfred Like from U of M or whatever, Joel Hutton at Aplanix. Here's my idea. Go to Bora Bora, Kiritamati, out in the middle of the freaking Pacific. Everybody gets whatever they want for their libations. I don't care if it's tea or friggin' tequila or the best scotch. Go to the island and just get, we're, we're going to brainstorm. I mean, we had, uh, you had um, Dennis McKay. So Dennis McKay was talking about, you know, this whole land fabric thing, national thing, GCUV. Mm-hmm. And Dennis was cool. And he and I were on the same plane. Here's oh, wow. my idea. It's like, we can make that bigger. We can put artificial intelligence in there. We can get everything that's a cores that's on a PLSS corner could be automatically adjusted. We don't, you know, hmm. flat files and doing least squares. It's bigger. So, so get the brain in. And if somebody says, we can't do this or that's impossible, or we've always done it this way, you're off the island, right? And we'll fish and have sun, but but have a think tank. Everybody's too busy doing business to do their jobs, but mm-hmm. where's the next 30 years of taking this technology into something way beyond what we can see here today? And and, the, and if young surveyors come out of there and just say, hey, I just don't want to do what I'm assigned to do every day, boss. I want to, can I have some time to work on a project, you know, to find a new way to do things mm. that would be huge. But I think you can have, you know, elders, us retired dinosaurs in there too. So I, we don't do that. There's, I mean, you go to something like Esri's thing or the, you know, tremble week or whatever. Well, that's a big conference and there's a lot of networking and stuff, but if you could have a week where everybody just went and did a think tank, I love that. Huge. I love that idea. You just planted a seed. We come up with a lot of ideas as a result (laughs) of our guests here. So now my idea is the geoholics think tank. Oh, we can do it. There you go. I am I am on board with this idea. <laughs> and you know what happens when I get on board with an idea, don't you, Shoots? We're screwed. 
It's happening, boys. Oh, man. Whether we like it or not. Exactly. So, Scooter, um, you have obviously lived an unbelievably fulfilling life. Um, outside of beating cancer, what are you currently most excited about? You know, I'm my memory's not as good. Really, the kind of passion stuff as I'm doing with mentoring Mondays and what you're doing here with Geohawks, I, I still feel like, hey, I want to give back something. You know, I don't want to do a job. I don't need to. I, you know, I'm fine financially set, but I think there's stuff still to pass on. For sure. Know? And, um, but yeah, my fly fishing and traveling still way up there. And uh, I'm going to do some of that stuff. I, I don't know. It's uh, it's interesting as you get older here, you know, you do start slowing down. So you're probably going to ask me that question. I mean, my, my motto, my whole life since I was like 13, when I had my first job is when in doubt, more throttle. When in doubt, you know, more throttle. It's, it's like, like it, this is going to be a terrible crash. Do you hit the brakes? No, man, wide open. Let's hang on and see where it goes, you know. And uh, It sounds like it's out of days. Don't, don't think that there's any boundaries or fence out there. You know? There's no there's no box. I love that. <laughs> that is awesome. When in doubt, full throttle. More throttle. Yeah. More I throttle. Love it. Oh, yeah. when I was motorcycle racing, that oh, it's terrible crash, or I won the race. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Well, let me ask you this then. At this point, besides fly fishing and everything, what what still motivates you every day? You know, I got my dogs. I got this three pound chihuahua which is kind of problematic with the eagles and the bears and stuff that are running around. But I got this little, it's called uh, coyote, look it up, coyote best, I think, or coyote collars. But it's got like huh. spikes and whiskers off of it. So if the predator jumps on, but it's just this itty-bitty little thing. So um, <laughs> then I got a, got a, a rescue terrier. So, yeah, they're, they're my pair. You know, we don't have any kids, so we got yeah. spoiled dogs, but. Yeah. yeah. Wait, yeah, what, are, what are the, what are the dogs that have flown more than, you know, two, 3000 hours with me in there? Wow. So. What are the dogs names? Uh, Rosie and Natalie. <laughs> love it. Those are real tough names. Yeah. Tough. Dog yeah. Names. Tough names, but <laughs> boy, that little chihuahua, you know, she yeah. break your heart, but she's, she'll, she'll bark at a bear too. So, and then right run right between your legs. So. <laughs> wow. Well, so, Michael, I, I mean, first of all, thank you for, you know, joining us, of course, and having an amazing career. Uh, and you've got so much knowledge and wisdom to share. If there's any way that the Geohawks can be and continue to be a conduit to to share that with folks, um, you know, we, we want to do that. There's no doubt about it. Um, outside of another survey story, is there anything else that, you know, maybe we haven't touched on that you want to get out there at this point in time? You know, just everybody be grateful what you got and live life be happy you know um i kind of mentioned there's so, you know, life's too short work, work's a big part but I, it'll kill you it tried to kill me several times i mean i <laughs> you look up workaholic in the dictionary you'd have my picture there yeah um, but if you do it with a smile and have some fun and then you know take if you need time take off take your time off your boss isn't going to say no. I think a lot of people go, oh, oh no, I got to stay in there. So it's like, well, ask. If you don't hmm. ask and do that. But um, I'm really, I won't say, I don't want to say concern, but it's a huge thing for our profession as, as, as much is going on in our future and who's coming behind us. Hmm. And those young surveys, surveyors and the mentoring, 
we've got to pass it on and then trans onto that with that um, crowdsource mentoring. And I did a mm-hmm. presentation on that at the big seven conferences and, and a shameless plug. If you want to hear some really neat technical stuff about Alaska survey methods, uh, week 22 on mentoring Mondays yep. um, did a nice presentation on that. So um, it's more technical. You won't have any of this wild man stories out there, but. Yeah, no, I actually, you know, it's funny you said that I just listened to that uh, episode again this morning in preparation for, uh, you know, our chat here this evening. So, yeah. uh, so it, it's so, great. so all you guys, if, if I was face to face, this is Zoom, but I've done this. This is my little deal. So if I met you and we were doing this together, we're having an adult beverage, I would rip up four $1 bills and I would give you one half. And I keep one half. And my hanger, I got this pin. I've got about probably a hundred of them. Hmm. That's your ticket. Come to Alaska, show you a good time. Fly around, do whatever. Sounds like a plan. (laughs) So I'll I'll, I'll mail you or I'll uh, Photoshop your four $1 bills or put them on the wall. I love that idea. That's awesome. Uh, And like we tell a lot of our guests, uh, careful what you wish for. I don't know. The three geoholics. You never know if we might just show up one day. (laughs) For a couple duck farts for sure. We're going full throttle. I taught taught Jane Fonda how to fly fish. I can teach you guys. That's awesome, Michael. Hey, thanks again, man. Thanks for being here. Um, man, oh, man. We could talk for hours, there's no doubt. We'd love to have you back another time if you're uh, if you're willing to do so. Love to do it. Love to do it. A little Unplug 2.0. Unpl- yeah, there, there, there's far, far, far more stories. Oh, man. I, I can't wait to hear them. Uh, shoot, you got anything else, buddy? No, sir. I PJ. Can't, I can't top Scooter. Put a bow on it. Let's do it, boys. All right. Hands down. Yet another friend-making, value-adding show. Please be sure to check us out at thegeoholics.com where you can sign up for our mailing list and like and follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Instagram. Don't forget you can download all of our podcasts from the new podcast app available at lancefairsunited.com. Send us an email at info at thegeoholics.com and let us know what you think of the show or just say, hey, we'd love to hear from you. Last but not least, please support our amazing friends of the program, such as Tiger Supplies, every chance you get. Be sure to mention you're a geoholic for the VIP experience. Pay it forward. Add value, make friends. Heart, Barracuda, available everywhere. Until next time, everybody, be safe and healthy. Once again, a shout out to our friends of the program, Aerotech Mapping Inc., ATMLV.com, Advanced Geodetic Surveys Inc., AGSGPS.com, Bad Elf GPS, Bad-Elf.com, Cobb Fenley, CobbFenley.com, Cyanic Automation, GetJobBook.com, Diamondback Land Surveying, DiamondbackLandSurveying.com, Get Kids Into Survey, GetKidsIntoSurvey.com, Land Surveyors United, LandSurveyorsUnited.com. Mentoring Mondays, mentoringmondays.xyz, Monson Engineering, monsonengineering.com, Nettleman Land Consulting, nlcprep.com, Parkland Community College, parkland.edu slash surveying, Safety Apparel, safetyapparel.us, Tiger Supplies, tigersupplies.com, Trimble Geospatial, geospatial.trimble.com.